0: Okay, before we start, just a heads up that this podcast contains adult content and the occasional terrible joke, like this one from my husband, Brad. Okay, Bradley Tinklin.
2: know that your mum's going to listen to it too.
0: Yeah, so is your mum and yeah. probably your nan. <laughs>
2: it's recorded. Oh, that smells where I'm sitting because I farted. i have to nice. speak.
0: Yeah, I asked him if I could record him talking about how he felt when he first discovered we were having a baby and he farts into my mic. I guess he's just refining his dad jokes before the baby comes in a few months. I'm Lisa Gabeluggan, health journalist, whiskey appreciator, boxer, and wife of that man you just heard from with absolutely no shame. And this is Holy Shit I'm Pregnant, an uncensored podcast for first-time moms. I made it because I needed it. Break. The first we usually hear of someone in our extended circle successfully procreating is on social media. Or if you happen to live in California where your friends start a wildfire in a pyrotechnic gender reveal gone wrong, then the first you'll hear of their reproductive efforts is on the news. Either way, it's just a quick highlight. But when this is all you really see of pregnancy announcements, it makes it seem like deciding to have kids and then falling pregnant happens to everyone as effortlessly as a gender reveal fire raged through 40 kilometers of Californian forest, And for some people, maybe it wasn't that easy, but there's always so much more to the story. That's what this episode is all about. That first holy shit moment when the pregnancy test comes back positive and the events leading up to it. Because when it happened to me about 20 weeks ago, during lockdown and feeling totally isolated, these are the conversations I wish I'd had at the time. But before we go into my holy shit moment and hear from that husband of mine again, let me introduce you to Josie. Josie and I used to work together on Clio magazine back when it was still socially acceptable to objectify shirtless, oiled up men in the annual Clio Bachelor of the Year awards. Don't you worry, we're so much more work these days. Josie's now the co-host of a podcast called The Zest is History. I hadn't seen Josie in years and I didn't even realize she was pregnant until she debuted her massive bump on social media when she was very close to giving birth.
3: I was just kind of like letting people find out, like I'd run into people and they'd find out that way, like it wasn't like a big thing. Because yeah, I think you when you've been hurt before, you just keep being scared that you know, it's all going to go wrong again. But by then, by like eight and a half months, you're like, well, (laughs) it's pretty much cooked. (laughs) Josie and her partner
0: Julian had been together for 10 years when they decided to expand their twosome. She says they were happy, felt secure in their jobs, and getting married was something they wanted to do eventually, but it wasn't a priority. They fell pregnant pretty quickly in their second month of trying.
3: But then I had a miscarriage. That was really hard. Um it was a lot, you know, people go, oh, it's very common. And that is the worst thing you can say to someone that's had a miscarriage because you're almost like discounting their grief. Yeah. Stubbing your toe is common and it only hurts for a second. And yeah, I'm happy to move on from that. But a miscarriage keeps hurting. Like I still feel upset talking about it and I have a healthy seven and a half month old baby. So, You never really get over it. I had no idea that
0: when I asked Josie how she felt when she first fell pregnant that we wouldn't be talking about when she fell pregnant with her daughter, Rosa, but a time before. And like Josie says, just because it's common with one in four pregnancies ending in loss, it doesn't discount how heartbreaking it can be. A recent study by Imperial College London found that 30% of women show signs of PTSD one month after a pregnancy loss, with many others suffering from moderate to severe anxiety. The study researchers recommended more support was needed for women going through loss, whether it be through counselling, other health services, or by what we're doing right now,
3: sharing stories. We told a few people that we're pregnant, even though, you know, you're not supposed to till the 12 weeks. Because I I remember my trainer, actually, my person that runs my boot camp. I swear she like just had sex with her partner and was like, I'm pregnant. We're like, whoa, it's very early (laughs) to be telling us. And she said, well, you know, I'm going to need support if the worst thing happens. So I'm telling you all, I, I really liked that philosophy. And that's what we did the first time around. And it turned out we did need that because then the people that knew then knew about the miscarriage. So they were all there for me and amazing. But actually the second time around, we were just, protecting our hearts a little bit. So we didn't tell like the wider worlds until 12 weeks and beyond. Like I didn't even put anything on Instagram <laughs> until I was like hugely pregnant. Falling pregnant after going
0: through a miscarriage can bring up a lot of worries. And we'll be going into this plus overall mental health in pregnancy in more depth in a future episode. But in the meantime, here's how Josie approached
3: it. So I try to find the positive in horrible things and I think the positive I can take out of it was it really kind of affirmed to me the fact that I wanted to have a baby because I was so upset when I didn't and when we got pregnant quite fast I remember I peed on the stick and it said pregnant and I started crying and it wasn't like happy crying like I was actually like shit like (laughs) this is this happened very quickly and I'm terrified like I was just crying crying and it's not then I was happy and excited like the next day. But my instant feeling was holy shit. And then it was almost like my body and mind gave me like a test run. <laughs> Just like, do you really want this? <laughs> and and I did. And then I then we kept trying. And it actually, you know, they say once you've had a miscarriage, you're pretty fertile and you'll get pregnant fast. I didn't. It actually took like, let me count. November, December, January, February, March, April, may seven months then to actually fall pregnant. And that can be really soul destroying in itself because it's like that trying and then you wait like the two weeks and then you get your period. And I actually get horrible periods as well. So it's like a double insult. (laughs) It was just like the worst, but I actually think I wasn't ready mentally. And I think my body or the universe or whatever knew that and it happened at the right time and I definitely like when I peed on the stick then it was happy tears the thing that pissed me
0: off when I was looking for information when I first found out I was pregnant was that the pages and pages of google results that came up felt like they all assumed that I along with all mums who ever lived in the history of time loved the color pink conformed to traditional ideas of motherhood and saw their lives through the lens of a dreamy soft filter That is not to say it's a bad thing if that's you, but we're not all like that. We all have our unique stories, and the more stories we can share, the more we can let go of expectations of what pregnancy should look like, or what being a mum should be like. My friend Melissa is a great example. While I'm simultaneously excited and shit-scared that my life is about to change with the impending arrival of this little human, this amazing woman chose to venture into
1: motherhood solo. I went down the path of a planned pregnancy and very planned in that I went through a process of having the baby on my own. I turned 32 and I really wanted to have a baby and I wasn't partnered at the time, but that didn't diminish my desire to have a child.
0: Melissa underwent a form of fertility treatment called intrauterine insemination or IUI. She chose sperm from a de-identified donor, a decision she based on three generations worth of his medical history, which is more than what most people know about their own partners. She says it was important to her that the other half of her child was as healthy as possible. Once she had chosen a donor, she went through the IUI procedure. Here's how she explained it to me.
1: So basically a huge needle yep. that they insert right to, to the point of the egg. And then they, you know, you hopefully have a doctor who has terrific aim and <laughs> they aim and shoot and you, you hope for the best. So, Like you said,
0: delivered right to the door.
1: Delivered right to the door. And uh, that was a surreal experience in, a, in and of itself.
0: According to the Fertility Society of Australia, the success rates for IUI are lower than IVF, with some sources claiming a 5 to 15% success rate which increases to a 60% success rate after six IUI cycles.
1: Melissa went through one. I was at work and I was feeling different. To be honest with you, Uh, even after the procedure, I felt different. Uh, I felt maybe a little, like physically a little bit more tired. And I had a very supportive colleague who was possibly more excited about me being pregnant than I was. And she <laughs> was hellbent on, she's like, Melissa, we're not going to wait for a blood test. Let's go to the chemist every day and get clear view. And she's like, they can give you a, an early indication way before um, a blood result can. And they're very um, accurate tests. So I went to the chemist very early after the procedure and maybe like a week and a half. Oh, wow. That and, is early. Yeah. It's very early. And I bought a stack of Clearview and I, yeah, I did a a, like a urine test and the stick uh, returned a very, very faint, very faint red line, which indicates pregnancy. Wow. And the test itself gives you an indication of weeks. So it has like one to two weeks or two to three weeks. And I think I was sort of in that one to two week bracket. And uh, so I did another test. (laughs) Because I had this, you know, endless supply of tests that (laughs) I bought. And uh, I showed my colleague, her name's Tracy. We basically punched the air in jubilation in the ladies' toilets (laughs) at work. And she's like, pregnant. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Well, let's wait for the blood test. But it's looking good. It was a very exciting moment.
0: How long after that did you do the blood test? So I kept testing
1: (laughs) because I was like, "I, I can't quite believe that I'm pregnant. As your hormones start to go up and the pregnancy starts to stick, that line becomes more pronounced. And then I could see that, you know, two to three weeks. But it would have been maybe another two or three weeks before the blood result came in. And they confirmed what what Clearview had told me several times. How many tests did you do all up? Oh, look, I would have done three or four before I was like, okay, well... I don't really need to test anymore at this stage. Um, the, you know, the, the stick has, has told me so much and now I need uh, a doctor and an actual proper pregnancy test to confirm the rest. But I was, feeling, I was feeling positive that I was pregnant and thankfully that was confirmed.
0: Whereas Melissa knew with absolute certainty that she wanted to become a mum and was willing to do it by herself. My friend Lucy had decided that she would be okay if it didn't happen. The most important thing for her was finding a life partner.
4: I have been married before. I would say I'm a divorcee, except I'm now married again, um, which former, hopefully is my last one. Former divorcee. <laughs> yes, if I, if I did anymore, my mother would freak out. Um, but no. Um, and so I met my now husband when i was about 36 and i remember when i was dating i just kept on thinking i felt the pressure to meet someone because i I did want to have a baby um but in the end i thought you know what having a life partner that i absolutely love is to me the most important thing and if children don't come along then i i can live with that in the end it was her partner clancy who had brought up the subject of wanting to have kids it's funny because I, I had said the same story in my head over and over so many times of, you know, it's okay if you don't have kids. I actually wasn't excited when you said it mm. and it took a little while to sink in and then I thought, actually, yes, I, I, do, want, I do want to try for a baby. As soon as they started trying,
0: Lucy found out she had PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Symptoms like irregular periods and increased risk of miscarriage mean that it can be harder to fall pregnant, with medical experts recommending looking into options of fertility treatments if you've been trying to conceive for 12 months or six months if you're over 35. So at 37, and after six months of trying, Lucy and Clancy decided to do IVF. She says it was a crazy, long, depressing experience. She was telling me it felt like being in a casino, something I'd never heard anyone describe it as before. Our line dropped out, so I called her back. Okay, so you were explaining why IVF kind of felt like a casino,
4: yeah. Well, on my last round, so I'd already had one miscarriage with them and one miscarriage before that. And if you don't know what happens with IVF, basically they harvest your from, you know cells from your ovary, you then get inseminated with your partner's sperm or whoever's sperm. And then if there's a connection and it's viable, they then freeze that for future use or they put it back into you straight away. But whether that inseminated egg takes on no, the, the wall of urethras is another matter. In between that stage of them harvesting, terrible word, from you and putting it back inside you or freezing it, there's a five day growing process. Mm. And as I left, they had just incre- included this app. You could get results, like live results about how those eggs were going. And so it's this whole concept of like you're continually kind of disappointed because they'll take like 20 eggs and then only four of them will be viable mm. and then only three of them take to the, the, uh, the sperm and then only two of them survive to the end. And then in the end, you might not have anything. So I just kind of felt like it was this I, – I just think the, the – the aspect of hope, that continual hope and pushing you onto the next thing. It just in the end it got too kind of traumatic and and obviously there's a lot of things that happen with your body and and everything throughout the whole process. And it's expensive. So at the end of three rounds, we thought we'd probably just stop. Yeah. Because <laughs> again, you don't know. And in the back of your head, like gambling, it's like, oh, just one more round. Maybe the next round. Are we stopping now? But the actually the next round is going to get us pregnant. So it's this kind of horrible feeling of you're saying, oh, we're going to stop. I mean, it could just be one more round, but we're going to stop. And so they stopped. And we decided to stop for a couple of reasons. One is just because of the effect on my mental health and my body. And then also just within our relationship as well. We just didn't want it to all be focused on getting pregnant, which can become a lot. And forgot about it and just, and decided that, you know what, we are going to have this amazing life without kids. And it's okay because we have each other. And it's really important that we have each other. And so went on with our lives. And then we took this weekend trip to Queensland did many things went out into the reef and saw both the devastation and the beauty and we had fun and got drunk and had amazing meals and (laughs) it turns out conceived a child completely naturally (laughs) so it's one of those things where it's the same as if you're looking for someone people always say it'll come along when you least expect it and you feel like punching them in the face but underneath it all it's actually completely right
0: Speaking of things happening when you least expect them to, how about finding out you're pregnant in the first two months of COVID lockdown, when the whole world is in full Armageddon preparation, toilet paper stashing mode, and within a week of being made redundant at work, and at a time when the chances of finding a new job are grim as your industry dies a rapid death. That was the origin story behind our social media pregnancy announcement. It was just one holy shit moment after the other. Here's Brad's take.
2: It was good news, but it was a it was weird times, really. Like I was contracting, job was going crazy, hours, crazy pressure. Then you lost your job. Yeah. Then everyone's shitting themselves because of COVID. We're living opposite the hotel where people are getting busted in. you got the army standing out the front, guarding. The world's in fucking meltdown. And then you're pregnant. Like, you're bringing
1: or, a baby into yeah, the world. Yeah, all within
2: like a couple of weeks. So yeah. it was like... I think it's normal for people to get nervous and a bit scared when they find out there's a baby coming in, but everyone was already in a massively heightened state of that without a baby.
0: Yeah. And so, even the start of the year, it began with all the bushfires. It was yeah, always, it, was, it was, just, was already like Armageddon had started. It was a very
2: heavy year. And then it's like, right, now you're going to have a baby in nine months. So get your fucking shit together. So in my head, I'm thinking, how are you going to get your shit together in a world that's fucking falling apart? But also it was very happy, obviously, but I was already nervous about the future just with the way life was. Yeah. And then to bring another life into it that you're directly responsible for, you're like, oh shit, now it's a real fucking challenge, I feel. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, I totally feel you. Like even more, even more so than it would normally. So yeah, we're happy, very happy, but also like, what the fuck am I going to do to make all this good?
0: I also didn't expect to fall pregnant so quickly. We had talked about when we'd start trying on and off over the years. Me wanting to start as soon as possible, purely because I was worried that I was getting too old to keep putting it off. Him, not ready yet. Funny thing is, we didn't even chat again about trying when we stopped using birth control, which for us <laughs> was a pullout method. And after two weeks, my period, which usually arrives within hours of my period app reminder, was a day late, then a few days late, then a week late. Then Brad just told me to do the pregnancy test. I did four tests in the space of 24 hours with two different brands just to make sure. And we both didn't quite believe it until I went to my GP to get a blood test to confirm what the four chemisport tests had already told us. The thing I remember most was going from being absolutely amazed that part of Brad was mixing with part of me to make a new human, and then being shit scared the next minute. 2020 was already filled with so much uncertainty, and now we just added another unknown layer. Working on this podcast while being pregnant and talking to experts and other women has really helped me through. As for Brad, he was born and raised in Essex, so he's just naturally confident.
2: Honestly, I look at some of the people that have had kids and how they are, and they've produced really good adults, and I think, well, if they can do it, we're going to smash it. (laughs) Do do, do you know what I mean? I love
0: your confidence. Yeah,
2: well, I just look at some people and think, man, like, how how have you produced that child Yeah, and then that child gone on to be a really good human? I'm trying not to slag people off here, but there are people you do question, how have you done that? So I think if they can do it, we're going to smash it to pieces, yeah.
0: I've always wondered how different my career would be if I had just announced Brad's confidence. On next week's show... I'm bringing the experts in and introducing you to a few more of my friends as we talk about what happens after that initial news, the million other health tests that follow and weird bodily changes. I've just hit the waddling phase. It only happened a few days ago. Until then, please subscribe and share if you've liked what you heard. For resources on pregnancy loss, PCOS, fertility treatments, and other topics we covered in this episode, visit holyshitimpregnant.com. Also, drop me a line via the contact form if you'd like to share your own experiences or have any questions for experts. I would love to hear from you. See you next week.